Hi everyone, this is Wesley Town. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome to Better Days Season 2. Today is a Q&A episode. Every fourth episode during Season 2, we're doing a Q&A episode. Simply dealing with questions that you have. People are sending in questions to me, and I'm working through all of those questions. Some of these questions were sent previously that I haven't been able to get to yet, and then some were sent this week. So I'm going to try to get through as many as possible. And thank you all for sending in your questions. These questions are helpful, especially as people are listening. Somebody might be dealing with something that they didn't ask, but it's relevant for their life. And so we appreciate all the questions that you're sending in. Let's jump right in. The first question was about me. Do I meditate or exercise? The answer is yes and yes. My meditation is opening up my Bible each day in a quiet place, unhurried, and reading through a chapter of scripture. As I read through a chapter, I think and I pray. For me, there is nothing on earth that offers my heart more peace and satisfaction than when I'm in a quiet place, not distracted, and I spend time in Bible reading and prayer. Someone I know just wrote a book on hurry that is coming out in a few months. I read the first two chapters yesterday. It seems obvious, as he painted this picture, that one of the reasons that we are stressed, anxious, and on edge is because we don't take time in our day to slow down, breathe, and be present. For me, that means being present and focusing my mind and heart on God. As well, I try to work out five to six days per week. I run. Running has always been something really healthy and helpful for me, especially dealing with stress and anxiety. I do high-intensity interval training. Those are more like circuit type of workouts. I lift weights, I spend time working on my core, and I stretch. At least I try to. My wife has been telling me, you need to start stretching more and more. And I'm trying to put that into my routine as well. One brain scientist, uh, actually doctor, he's a brain expert, he said this about physical activity, working out. He says, physical activity is perhaps the single most important thing you can do to keep your brain healthy. Exercise can boost blood flow and other positive nutrients to the brain, increase levels of dopamine, and trigger the generation of new nerve cells that can help the brain self-regulate and calm down. Walking can help clear your mind, decrease anxious feelings, improve mood, and burn some calories all at the same time, end quote. So based on that alone, exercising is really important for our health, for our mental health, for us as humans. These two rhythms, my type of meditation and uh, exercise, are priorities in my life. They help me spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. I believe that God created our soul, so we have to invest in our soul. I also believe that God created our body, so we have to invest in our body. Both are equally important, and we need to steward both to be healthy humans. I like to say this, if we don't take care of ourselves, how can we take care of or lead others as well? So taking care of ourselves is actually a good thing. It's a healthy thing. 
And it's something that will help our longevity as we deal with various factors and and struggles and challenges and suffering and anxieties and stresses in life. The next question somebody asked was this, is there a way to talk about mental health and suffering to someone close to you who is 100% set on the stigmas? That's a great question. First, I am so sorry that there is someone close to you who does not love and accept your suffering and pain. That is really hard to deal with emotionally. Being in proximity with maybe a family member or a really close friend or maybe a spouse who just won't accept the the normal nature of human suffering and put some stigma, some spin on it that's negative Here would be my answer, and obviously I don't know your situation perfectly, but just kind of a general answer. The first thing is you need to kind of discern whether you feel safe around this person. If you do feel safe, the best way to share with someone close who holds tightly to false stigmas about mental health and suffering is not to try to convince them of the truth or real nature of these human conditions. So you don't want to go into the conversation like, I'm going to convince this person. Rather, share your heart. Share your hurt, how their views have hurt you. Open that up. Share your story and the realities of what you have faced, how you are not choosing these things, and how you are trying to walk down a path of healing, health, coping. Share from your soul what you truly feel. This is the best way to connect with another person's logic and heart that are stuck in false realities. If you feel safe doing this, then this may be the only way to conversate in an honest and genuine way. It's hard. It's vulnerable. I'm sure there's some fears. But the only way to open up a heart in this type of situation is often to share your heart. And if they reject your heart and emotions then you know that you've done all you can to help them see your world and your pain. Rejection in these type of situations runs deep. I'm praying for you and your conversations and for your heart afterwards. There's a concept I learned in one of my counseling courses. It's this. Each of us has a circle of control. The circle of control is what we can control in our life. Our responses, our reactions, our choices, how we steward our life, what we invest in, the character, the habits that we choose. Those are all things that we can control. The second circle that each of us has is a circle of concern. This is what we are concerned about but cannot control. Other people's thoughts, other people's responses, other people's habits. We often want to convince or help somebody see our world the way that we see it. But honestly, they have to choose to do that. And this is a hard thing in human relationships because we often focus on our circle of concern, but we forget that we can only control our circle of control. And so when somebody rejects your heart and your pain, You can control your response. You can control your heart and the state of your heart, but you can't control their response 
and the state of their beliefs. You can only open up your heart and try to help them to see your brokenness, your pain, your perspective. So in those type of situations, it's really difficult, especially with somebody close to us. Again, so much love to you, many prayers for you. And uh, I hope that as you open up your heart, that the person with these stigmas, these set in stone stigmas will begin to open up their heart to break down these false ideas and cliches that they're believing. The third question is this, are mental health and suffering faith issues or sin issues or evidence that a person does not have a relationship with God? I'm so glad somebody asked this question. My grandma had this habit that rubbed off on me. She would say, no, 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 three times, often in a conversation. I miss her. She passed away this year, and I miss those habits. This question is appropriate to resurrect her famous saying. My answer to your question is no, no, no. These beliefs are amongst the false ideas and cliches in Christianity that are so wrong and incredibly hurtful to people struggling. The famous preacher C.H. Spurgeon, who's known as the greatest communicator in Christianity, maybe in history, he suffered from depression his entire adult life from, I believe, 23 years old on. This is an incredible human, an incredible Jesus follower who did remarkable work in writing, in speaking, in communicating the good news of Jesus, and he dealt with depression his entire adult life. Job, in the Bible, a whole book about a, a man who was super influential, had an amazing um, context of life, family, employees, business, influence in his society. He dealt with some in really enormous, uh, pervasive suffering in his life. Difficult, challenging, heartbreaking. He suffered basically in every way. He lost his kids. He lost his business. He lost his wealth. He lost his influence. Uh, his wife told him to curse God and die. He lost his health. And Job was so depressed from devastating suffering that he wished he were not alive. Jesus in Isaiah 53, was called a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The Hebrew terms there for sorrows and grief have this idea of mental and emotional anguish. And Jesus was perfect. So that illustration alone, his life alone proves that mental health and suffering are not faith issues, are not sin issues, and are not evidence that a person does not have a relationship with God. Because Jesus was God in the flesh, perfect. And he was a man of sorrows on this earth, living amongst human brokenness, feeling the emotions of pain and grief. He was a man of sorrows and equated with grief. Let me give you some more illustrations. Paul the Apostle suffered continually. Paul probably did more for Christianity than any other human in the first century. Per his autobiography in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he discusses continual, very challenging, and various forms of suffering that he experienced. You can read it, 2 Corinthians 11. It picks up, I think, maybe verse 16 or something like that uh, through the end of the chapter. 
Every single great spiritual leader I know personally has suffered deeply in some way or the other. So I don't know anybody that has faith, that loves God, that hasn't experienced deep, painful suffering. Suffering and pain are a part of being human in a broken world. They're not a faith issue or um, a sin issue or evidence that a person does not have a relationship with God. So we need to dismantle those false and hurtful and wrong trains uh, or patterns, pardon me, of thinking. We need to dismantle those uh, because that really is such a wrong, unhelpful, hurtful, negative, false perspective. I hope that this question that I answered helped you. Um, Maybe you're on the receiving end of some of these false ideas. Uh, Be free because they're so wrong. Another question. How do you deal with praying for healing? Then healing does not happen. So let's say a person is a person of faith. They love God. They follow Jesus. And they have some sort of physical sickness, some sort of problem in their body, some sort of brokenness. And they pray that God would heal them. Or they ask a pastor or a group of pastors to pray over them that God would heal them. And then no healing occurs. How do you deal with a situation? This is such a pertinent question, a great question. This is actually in one of my talks for Better Days Talks conference. Uh, You can sign up for one on wesleytown.com. I'll be doing one on the 10th of August in Oregon. You can find that on my website, wesleytown.com for more information. uh, And you can register for it. And I'll be doing one in California on August 24th in San Diego. Again, go to wesleytown.com, read more about what those Better Days talks. It's just a mini conference, a series of talks on mental health and suffering, but actually deal with this in a little more uh, detail, but just real quick answer. The Bible is clear that we live in a broken world. I've discussed that over and over again, which includes physical suffering. My wife has suffered physically um, since we dated after she got into a major car accident and had some some serious lifelong uh, injuries and pain to deal with as a result of that. So this is close to home for me. Uh, There's a proximity. I've prayed for many times that she'd be healed. And she's living with this pain and suffering physically. Trials are not a matter of if for humans, but when. So we need to understand how to think about them and walk through them. The Bible does teach, pardon me, that in certain circumstances, When a person prays for healing or is prayed for to be healed for a physical disease or ailment, that in some circumstances, a person is healed. It seems like this is not the norm, but it's definitely possible. Paul the Apostle, who I just mentioned previously, who influenced first century Christianity more than any person, had a physical ailment in his body. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, his bio on all of his sufferings, He stated that he prayed for healing three times and was not healed. Yet God encouraged him that his grace was sufficient in Paul's weakness or suffering. What does that mean? It simply means that God was present with him and that God would give him strength to sustain him 
so he can keep going even in the midst of his pain? To put simply, God loved him and was with him and was helping him in his suffering. God is a present God, even in the midst of pain. Emotionally, we can get discouraged if we keep praying for healing and it does not happen. When healing does not happen, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've prayed for that and you're experiencing physical suffering, I want you to remember a few things. First, it is not a matter of lack of faith. Some people have heard this false teaching that if they had enough faith, they would be healed. But that is simply a false teaching. There's no biblical evidence that that's true or else Paul would have been healed. So it's not a matter of lack of faith. God loves you, is there with you and for you. God is not removed from you or disappointed in you because you're suffering. Don't believe that false train of thinking. God is with you and he loves you. He's not removed from you and disappointed in you. At times, we need to embrace what we are going through and learn to live through it day by day as our new normal. In the circumstance that you don't get healed, or this is a lifelong physical ailment, there needs to be a point where we embrace what we are going through and learn to live through it day by day as it is our new normal. In the meantime, as you're embracing that, it's important to keep purpose. It's important to grieve and embrace at the same time. And it's important to keep hope. Hope is not everything is going to get better right away. Hope is sometimes life is really hard. And I know that God is with me in my suffering, that there are better days ahead of me, and that someday all things will be better. Healing is possible on earth, but it's not a guarantee. It is a guarantee in the far future. Now, some people, their bodies will get better. The healing will take place through the uh, biological systems that God created. But other people, healing is on the other side of this earth, so to speak. Healing will be certain in God's presence. All people will be healed when they pass from this earth and enter into heaven, or they're a part of God's kingdom. And so I want to encourage you that Hope is important in the midst of physical suffering, especially long-term physical suffering. So is purpose. Keep purpose. Find something purposeful to engage in each and every day and find purpose in your pain. In other words, you're going to have all kinds of open doors to encourage and help and comfort people in their pain because you understand, because you've experienced it. And you also have purpose to help dismantle a lot of these false views and false interactions and hurtful things that people do. You can help teach them. You can help encourage people with a right train of thinking. I'm praying for you. If you haven't been healed, I'm praying for your encouragement. I'm praying that you would know that God is with you. He's not removed from you. It's not a matter of lack of faith and that there is hope for you for better days ahead. One more question. Uh, I'm sorry if I didn't get to all the questions that have been sent in, but I'm working through them and I will get to them. This is an interesting question. And I thought 
it would be really helpful, particularly for uh, a point uh, about it. How do you share Jesus with those who are angry at him? So I take it that this person asking is a Christian, a follower of Jesus. This is such a good question. And I thought that this could open up a door to other situations as well. I think the best way to be able to converse with someone in a circumstance like this is to just love them over time. And when I say love them, I mean genuinely love them. The source of their anger may be hurt. It may be disappointment. It may be be dealing with a personal failure. They may be disappointed about life itself. And so somehow they projected that anger upon God and they're blaming God for that. But beneath the surface of anger, there's always something. So I would listen closely to hurt, to brokenness. Anger is usually a symptom, not the source. So their anger toward God is revealing, it's a, it's a trigger, it's a symptom, that there's something deeper happening in their heart, in their soul, in their mind, in their life. And so listening closely to what that is, is really important. And I think a lot of reactions in life, they're often symptoms, not the source. So often in human relationships, we're focused on the symptom. This person said this, this person reacted this way, this person did this, this person's angry, this person's bitter, this, you know, and we have all of these, whatever, this person is statements, this person did this to me. But that's often just a symptom and there's a deeper source. We focus on the symptom rather than the source, but we should focus on the source rather than the symptom. The symptom is just communicating something deeper happening within a person. And I would say this in a situation like this question, love breaks down walls. Jesus does not want us to be disingenuous marketers. He doesn't want us to be sleazy marketers, right? Like we don't need that in Christianity. Jesus created us to be genuine in our love and our relational investment into a person. Meaning if this person uh, doesn't assimilate, you know, necessarily to all that we're sharing with them or our belief system or what have you, we can still love them. Jesus taught us to love people regardless. That's what biblical love is, regardless of the response, the reaction, their uh, belief system, so to speak, we can still genuinely love a person. And I think that's so important in our day and age. Uh, I think we should be known by love. Uh, I think that's what Jesus taught us to do. He taught us to love our enemies, pray for our enemies. He taught us to forgive. He taught us to be compassionate, caring, show mercy, kind, patient, not rejoicing when someone fails, genuine in our relational investment, having no undercurrents of impure motives to gain something for ourselves from a relationship. That's what God's love is like. And so I think that when we're engaging with people, or we're trying to share our hope, or we're trying to encourage somebody, I think we need to really love them because love breaks down walls. Now, I'm not saying on a different spectrum that if somebody is angry towards you and maybe they're abusive emotionally or 
they're abusive verbally or they're abusive physically in their anger towards you that you just love them and that breaks down walls and you keep pursuing them even though they're doing that. Uh, I, I don't want us to get the wrong idea. In a situation like that, loving that person does not mean you keep putting yourself in those types of situations. That's where you need boundaries. That's where you need some relational separation because you can't keep putting yourself in those types of situations in the name of love. You may love that person by praying for them from afar, but you don't need to be in the midst of an abusive, angry situation. So I just wanted to point that out because I think sometimes when we talk about anger and love that um, we generalize, but there are certain situations that we need to back off. We need to have some separation. We need to protect ourselves. And so I want to make sure that people remember that as well. But this is dealing with a person that's angry at God. And so um, I think that that's a hard situation. You need to listen. You need to love. And you need to be genuine in your investment into that person's life. I hope that helps. So much love for all of you. That's a wrap for today. Thanks again for joining me. This is a new podcast, and I would love for your help to spread the word to bring hope for better days to as many people as possible. You can send a link to your family and friends, post something on your social media, and write a review on iTunes. Thanks for your support. I can't wait to join with you next Tuesday for another episode of Better Days.